no stress, we got choppers. Hunting around clips, we got choppers. Yeah, we got them bricks, we got choppers for you boys on the blocker. Yeah, we hot up, yeah, choppers. We ain't got no stress, we got choppers. Hunting around clips, we got choppers. Walking around this bitch with them bricks, and you know that we hot up. Hold up, boy, we got choppers. We got choppers, yeah, yeah, we got money, yeah, yeah. Coming straight from the floor, and oh, yeah, yeah. Smoking out with your girl on the top, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she got money, boy, on the low, yeah, yeah. Niggas be talking about getting that money, niggas be talking about getting it right. Niggas be talking about getting it all, niggas be talking about living that life. Niggas be talking about rapping a set, stepping to me, and I'm placing a bet. I hop on the beat, and I'm making a check. I caught me a file and bought me a tech, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I jumped in the car. Yeah, yeah, I'm ducking the law. Yeah, yeah, I'm fucking around with this bitch at the bar. Yeah, yeah, don't know who you are. Yeah, yeah, I'm going so hard. Yeah, yeah, we ain't got no felonies, I swear to God. We ain't got no stress, we got choppers. Hunting around clips, we got choppers. Yeah, we got them bricks, we got choppers for you boys on the blocker. Yeah, we hot up, yeah, choppers. We ain't got no stress, we got choppers. Hundred round clips, we got chops. Yeah. Walking around this bitch yeah. with them bricks, and you know that we had a whole up boy. Man, I don't want no problems. I'm just trying to win the shopping spree. The sweepers out the stakes are high. You know the kids have gotta eat. I'm swerving out the purpose. I get service in and out the streets. They kicked me out the bar, so I had to go and find a beat. They calling me Casanova, making it rain in you Apollonia. I make it do magic on you, whip it and flip it. That's talent on you. I'm about to go maverick on you. Give me my money like plasma donors. You know. I'm a savage, y'all, you know I'm the shit, you know I'm involved, you know I'm a saint, you know I'm a dog, you know I've been up in the shit for a while, you know that I really did try to evolve, you know that I really just wanted to ball, no I ain't sorry for breaking the law, I know I can't tell you who else was involved, I know that you said that you killing this shit, but I'm sorry little homie, that ain't what I saw. Trying, yeah, I'm trying, trying not to break Yeah, baby, yeah, man. What's going on, guys? You are listening to Toxic Tunes and Trends on DeviantBehaviorRadio.com. I am your host, Shane Smith. Man, I love that song so much. It's crazy that that band, anybody who knows who that band is, uh, Mailing and the Sons of Disaster, I've played them quite a few times on here, but uh, something you will learn about that band, if you're just now hearing about them, something you will learn is that they have a very, very vast catalog. Like these guys have, I say that they, I think they have like four albums. But man, if you never checked them out, you should. They were a very unique band when they came out. Once upon a many moon ago, uh, they've had a lot of ups and downs as a band and as individuals and as band members. But something that is pretty crazy that has happened recently for those of us who do know and do care about said band, they are performing at a festival, uh, Furnace Fest. Let's just pretend that you guys know what Furnace Fest is for a second, okay? I'll tell you what it is and where it is afterwards. But now, I just want to bring up the fact that, okay, uh, you know, performing at this festival is uh, headlining Friday night is Thrice, Newfound Glory, and Alex is on fire, or Alex is on fire. Someone out there is, it's Alexis, it's Alexis. And I'm like, yeah, dude, chill out, man. Uh, Relax. I'm just joking. But uh, Midtown, I'm not really sure who that is. Shadows Fall, Quicksand. Like, I'm talking about, like, this is the lineup. Like, this is every one of these bands, for those of us 
and those of you like a lot of these bands I've never heard of, but they were are a lot of these bands I've definitely heard of, but I've just never been like some big massive fan of a lot of these bands. But a lot of them I was, and it's crazy. I mean, the list goes on. This is just for Friday night. Uh, Sixty-eight. Uh, that's Josh Goggins' current band. He was the vocalist of the Chariot and Norma Jean. Uh, the Acacia Strain, Anti Flag, uh, Close Your Eyes. They were a, pop, a kind of popular band back in the day. There was another music festival called Cornerstone Music Festival, and they won this thing where like they got the most votes and uh, they were the best new band or some bullshit. Doesn't matter. Counterparts. Uh, I thought they said Crossfade, but it says Cross Faith. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys know who E Town Concrete is, but you should look them up. That's some crazy shit that they're performing. Uh, Impending Doom, Norma Jean, ironically enough, Stretch Armstrong, Madball. What? That's crazy. Uh, if you don't know who Madball is, that's fine, but they're pretty popular. Uh, damn, Integrity, too. They must be on tour. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that's all in one night, and I didn't even name all of them. Just a crazy, and not one night, you know, one full day. That's crazy. You take off of work and you drive to Birmingham, Alabama on Thursday, and I bet you you could go to any bar in town in Birmingham on that Thursday night, and you will find a like-minded individual, or you'll probably find like an asshole. <laughs> probably a lot of assholes. Like, And you know there's going to be so many tattoos, so much hair. Like, it's going to be like a walking beard oil fest. I'm telling you. And, like, Bud, Budweiser might as well not even bring their uh, their truck there because it is craft only, baby. It is going to be craft beer only. And I'm, have you ever been to Birmingham? Like, Birmingham's a pretty big place, but it's, like, not at the same time. So if you could imagine a festival like this that lasts the entire weekend with all these different bands bringing all these different people into town... It's got to be a pretty big weekend, if you want my honest opinion. I mean, second night, Manchester Orchestra, uh, The Ghost Inside, Elliot, whoever that is, Blindside, oh my god, Poison the Well, uh, Five Iron Frenzy, oh my god, Figure Four, Old School Hardcore Band, Demon Hunter, Bleeding Through, Earth Crisis, uh, I don't know who Mock Orange is, uh, Maylene and the Sons of Disaster, the band we were just uh, listening to, uh, and then a whole bunch of other bands, The Showdown, oh my god, they haven't been a band in like forever. Uh, they did a sick cover of Carry On My Wayward Son, worth looking up. Uh, my Children, My Bride, uh, it, they were, they had, for like a whole like four months, they were like my favorite band for a while. Uh, yeah, and then the last day is fucking Mastodon, the, the Descendants, are just Descendants. Uh, the story so far, In Flames, uh, let's see, Agnostic Front, holy shit man, Comeback Kid. And this is like really like they're bringing in a lot more hardcore bands this year for sure. Jesus Peace, uh, Stick to Your Guns, Sick of It All, Jesus Christ, man, The Red Chord. This is insane. Like so many of these bands haven't even played music in forever. Like they're definitely not bands anymore. But they're getting together to do this. Lagwagon, Kublacon. Listen. I know that some of you probably don't care about this kind of music, but for those of you who do, this is literally like the festival. They just had it last year. Now, this is a little bit more of a backstory about this festival, but a little bit of a backstory about this uh, particular festival. And uh, it, it was around a long time ago. I mean, it, it was a it was a really popular thing like a long time ago, and it just re- oh shit. And it just recently started getting popular again, like 
because they had it last year for the first time in God knows how long, 10, 15, 20 years, something like that. Uh, and I'm not sure <clears> – sorry, I, had a, I was trying to adjust my levels here. Check. Hey, 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 you got to write my face. Uh, yeah. And the, the festival itself – I mean, I, I I don't. It wasn't. It didn't used to be Christian bands, but I know that a lot of the Christian bands played there uh, a long time ago. Obviously, I remember we would when I first started getting into this kind of music. They had VHS tapes that had like recordings from where people performed at this place. That like they sold live performances and music videos from blah 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 blah, and it would be yeah, and then it would be from this festival from back in the day. Worth looking up. Worth looking into. Uh, it's at this place called Sloss Furnace in Birmingham, Alabama. Now, I kind of like Birmingham. I don't like the state of Alabama, but I do kind of like Birmingham. Uh, it's pretty unique. It's cool. And not to mention, back when I did used to play music, we went there a lot. Like, you always – I don't want to say always, but it was like you do a weekend trip to Louisiana somewhere and do shows, or you would do a weekend trip to Alabama. And it was always Tuscaloosa and Birmingham. Or, excuse me, McCullough and Birmingham. But it both, I mean, over the years. And Birmingham was tight. Like, it was kind of like a, a little bit more, almost like a, I don't know, a lot more, a little bit more elbow grease than Tuscaloosa. Like, hard-working men, you know. But once you learn a little bit of history about the ironworks and all the other things that transpired in uh, Birmingham and what it's known for historically, it kind of uh, makes a little more sense. But this, I digress. This place, Sloss Furnace. I don't really know. It was an old factory of some sort, I guess. Like, it looks like there's pipes, old. Google it. You should look it up. Um, and we got, to, we got to go there, not for the festival, but we went there a couple of, I think I went there twice, two different times, two different occasions. And uh, it was cool. It was nice to walk around there, but they had this big, giant area where you can have a music festival. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but it's a thing. And... I imagine that back in the day they didn't have this many bands playing because it's just nuts. But what's crazy to me is so many of these bands are bands that like are from back then, but they're also bands since then. If that makes sense, like a lot of these bands were really popular at different times, you know, in the past twenty years. But most of the, uh, not I don't want to say most, but at least half of these bands do not play shows anymore. They definitely don't tour. Like, I don't know, maybe they do shows in their local area in, like, Iowa or some shit like that. But, I don't know. It's pretty crazy, though. My uh, producer man says that uh, Sloss Furnace is um, haunted. <laughs> I, I could easily tell you that I would not hang out there at night. Somebody does. There's definitely people who have... Like, there's been goats definitely beheaded in the back room there or like in one of those back like hall ca like corridors it's creepy man it, you know this is actually really funny i had been there and then later on in life i watched this uh chernobyl on hbo and there was a portion of that show when they were actually at chernobyl and everything was going awry that made me think of sloss furnace it's kind of scary, actually, like because I was like, man, I was there. What if, which this place was not a nuclear reactor that pretty much just turned into a fucking nuclear volcano. Uh, I don't actually think it had anything to do with nuclear stuff. A little bit off topic, but yeah, I don't know. I was debating going. Last year's lineup was pretty hardcore, but and but this one, man, I, I don't know. It would almost be worth. And I say that though, 
if it when it all boils down to it, if I look at the bands that I was actually an active fan of, not just a band that, like I heard their music, I knew who they were or whatever, I, I probably wouldn't be worth it. If I'm being completely honest, like there's going to be so many people there that I feel like I would have trouble enjoying myself. Like, because I'm I'm just going to be honest. When I was like 15, I'd be a lot more, a lot more inclined to be the guy who's like, oh yeah, let's move to the front of the line. Oh yeah, let's move to the front of the you know, let's go to the front of the crowd or let's go fucking dance, man, or just crowds of rage. Now I kind of want to be able to stand in the back and enjoy the show just as good as I can because I'm old. <laughs> if you want me to be completely honest, uh, and I don't have I don't have like a substantial level of like uh, what's the word I'm looking for like interest in being amongst so many people like in the that setting. A concert at the House of Blues would be great, perfect size. But when it's like we're on flat ground. And there's 2,000 people in front of me. It's like I might would get there and completely change my mind if just verbatim. I'm not saying that it's impossible for me to change my mind. But I would have to be convinced by somebody that we ha- that we needed to get the money to buy the tickets for this and get the hotel room and save up money to spend the money for food and undoubtedly some beer. Like, I mean, this is that kind of experience. Uh, I don't know. I, don't, I would have to be very well convinced, or I'd have to hit the lottery. If I hit the lottery, I would probably go to a music festival in a different country. I might not come back. Me and my family might just leave, and we might not come back. Uh, who knows? I don't know. But it's a pretty cool, pretty cool gig. It's, I mean, nostalgia out of this world, man. Like, uh, you know, I played Maylene, and obviously, I played some other shit too. But Maylene was a pretty pretty important band to me and my peers back in the day so it would be pretty cool to see them but i'm curious to know like their vocalist he got into a uh you know a a four-wheeler accident an atv accident and um he like fucked up his eye and all a lot of parts of his body he almost died from this and uh, a lot of bad stuff has happened to him uh it sounds really fucked up to say that but a lot of not so pleasant things have happened to him murphy's law has definitely taken place past few years but somehow he's good to go, and they're going to do a show. So I'm curious to see if like this is the like, hey, we're mailing and we're back because this could be like the resurgence that they need because they kind of went out as a fizzle, like they fizzled out as opposed to just like something that happened and that was it. It's like you hadn't really heard nothing. Their last album was a, a hard change to a different style, of, which is understandable, you know. But it was a a hard change to more of like a I don't I don't want to. I don't know how to explain it. I think of like cigarettes and like Budweiser beer, but not like in the Nickelback kind of way, like in the cowboy boot kind of way, but not cowboy. Like Clutch, like they they probably did tour with Clutch, but that kind of a style of, I don't know how to explain it. But it's good music. It's just different from where they started. That's why I started this whole thing with them having a vast catalog. They did four albums, and over the course of those four albums, first two were kind of the same genre, but each time they leveled up. The third album was a little bit more complete with a broader sound. And then the fourth album just was completely different. It was hard to explain, but good band to check out. We're going to move forward. We're about to shift gears, baby. I hope y'all brought y'all's dancing shoes because we're about to rage in this bitch. One time for the homies out there that's listening in. Hey, y'all. Tell Joe Biden. Tell a hater I said. Tell Donald Trump. 
pussy? Tell everybody up there. Tell your bitch I said. Talk to shooting trends on DVD Hater Radio. Let's go. Bitch, come get it back in blood. <laughs> Toxic Tunes and Trends on DeviantBehaviorRadio.com. I am your host, Shane Smith, and, uh, yeah. Dude, okay, so, <clears throat> I, uh, I literally had just been, in, it, like, rolling my arms for the past, like, 20 minutes. I've just been banging my head and rolling my arms, I swear. Sometimes, sometimes I pick the right songs. I need that, man. Just sitting in my living room, raging, turning up with you guys. It's nice. And you know what? It feels nice to just have a really good excuse to bang my head in my living room on a Thursday. It's wonderful. It's great. It's why you need to listen to it. It's why you need to tell your friends to listen to it. It's a great time. 9 o'clock every single Thursday. Look, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to watch the UFC. UFC is a pretty interesting thing to me. Uh, I, now, mind you, I am a, I am a self-proclaimed casual fan, 100%. It's the same way I am with video games. I love video games, but let's be honest. I am kind of a casual. Uh, anyway, we're not going to talk about my taste in video games right now. Uh, speaking of UFC, <laughs> no. Uh, and in the UFC, and those of you who don't know, watch the UFC, I'm quite sure you're familiar with a guy named John Jones. John Jones is like, he was kind of the poster child for a while there of uh, the UFC. It's hard to explain because it's hard to think of a time before Conor McGregor. It's hard to think of a time before Ronda Rousey. Like, these are people that have, you know, transcended the sport, as they say. Uh, I mean, Ronda Rousey has clearly, you know, moved on, which seems to have been in her best interest. But then you've got Conor McGregor, who is still in the fight game, but, I mean, he has technically also moved on. <laughs> I mean, he gets one more loss in MMA. I'm quite sure that he will not be fighting uh, in the UFC anymore. I mean, he might. He'll. I mean, if you know anything about Conor McGregor, you know there's a couple of grudge matches that need to happen before he retires. But he also needs to win a fight because fuck him. But anyway, right now we're talking about John Jones. John Jones stepped away from the light heavyweight title, and he moved. And he said that he was going to. Basically, his excuse was. That he had, which to be fair, it was a good excuse. He pretty much ran through the lightweight division for like eight years straight, just boom, boom, boom for a long ass time. He was the youngest light heavyweight uh, champion ever in the UFC, which is pretty crazy. I don't remember how old he was. He was like twenty four or something, maybe like that. I'm not. I'm not actually sure. I could probably look it up, but it's not that serious. Um, and yeah, so but he's always been. I don't know. There's a lot of things to critique him about. He's made a lot of a lot of grave mistakes. Gotten in trouble with the law. Most recently, he got wasted in the middle of uh, Las Vegas the same night he received an award for the UFC Hall of Fame. The same night he got arrested, and allegedly he got accused of beating his girl. Uh, and then something happened, and then eventually his girl left him after that. Uh, it's not just his girl. It's like his forever fiance, if that makes sense. Like they have like four kids together, I believe. He has all daughters. He's been with her for, for like throughout all this, and she apparently broke up with him. <laughs> now, mind you, John Jones has been arrested for uh, drugs. He's been arrested for hit and runs. He's been arrested for uh, DUIs. Uh, this clearly was a situation that happened, but we don't know. For he says, and she said. 
that he didn't beat her. But I, he, she might have came out. It might be a different situation now. Um, but you know, Dana White and them, the UFC, they love John Jones. So John Jones is of course going to be forgiven because he also is like, I can do all things through Christ. He's. I'm not saying that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. But when you're John Jones, it's kind of like, all right, dude, you can quit preaching to people now because you clearly, you are clearly living a different life when you're not out here uh, fighting. It, honestly, when it all boils down to it, he's probably got some deep, you know, down. Like he wants to be like a normal person, so bad that it's killing him and in uh, on the inside. But he's not a normal person. John Jones is a super fucking athlete. He is a he is arguably one. I mean, I don't know how to explain it. There's this guy named George St. Pierre who is a shitload smaller than John Jones, and a lot of people say that he is. The best UFC fighter of all time. Uh, and next to him, John Jones is kind of, I mean, especially in the past, like, let's just say in the past 20 years. I know UFC was going a little before then. So I don't know what to say about all those old, old-timing guys. But John Jones literally decimated his weight class. And his goal initially, I believe, was to be like, you know what? I'm going to go up to heavyweight and I'm going to fight like one or two fights. And I'm gonna get, I'm gonna cash out. I'm gonna get like the biggest paychecks that I've ever gotten in my life. And whenever he decided to do that, uh, the promotion UFC pretty much was like, yeah, well, we're not gonna give you that much money because you might go and lose, or you might fuck you. You never fought. They came up with every excuse in the book that you could come up with to not pay him a shitload of money. I mean, John Jones, like, was a, a he was no Conor McGregor when it comes to transcending the sport, but as far as being like the best champion that they could have. For one specific weight weight class was John Jones. I mean, he beat some legends. If you go through his list, if you're into that, but I mean, he beat so many different people. But it was all in light heavyweight, and I think his goal was like the like I want to be able to make uh like fuck you money, even if I lose if I move up to heavyweight. And they were not having it. I'm pretty confident that that is how it. I mean, you can you can read it yourself, or you might have kept up with it yourself, but um. You know, so that's his scenario. That's his scenario that he has found himself in. John Jones, or since he has found himself in this scenario, John Jones is not faulting about, like, I mean, it's going to be almost three years before he fights again. He says he'll be in peak condition in June for heavyweight. And, uh... You know, since John's been gone, and since the pandemic started, and since I moved to where I live now, I've watched a lot of UFC. I don't think John Jones is going to beat any of the people that they're going to have to pair him against. I'm just being honest. Now, mind you, I could be having recency bias. I haven't seen John Jones fight in a very, very long time. You go watch his highlight reels, and you're like, man, this is amazing. Even... Like, he was having a downtrend by the time that he stopped fighting. The last fight that he fought was a guy named Dominic Dominic Reyes. Now, Dominic Reyes ended up losing, like, twice in a row, and he fell off. And John Jones beat him, but John Jones barely beat him. Like, this guy almost took John's head off multiple times in this fight. But I am very, very intrigued to see John Jones has never lost in the UFC he got disqualified 
or excuse me, they took they took his uh, thing. They stripped him of his title, I believe, twice. Uh, the first time was, I believe, for like a, an illegal elbow, and the second time was because I think it was because he was like uh, on steroids. That was another uh, tainted. <laughs> get it? Like tainted supplement. That was another tainted uh, mark on his career. Not just going to jail, but uh, failing drug tests. He failed two of them, but the second time he had a he had a perfectly placed excuse, so he didn't get in any trouble. I think he got suspended for like thirty days. Nonetheless, John Jones says he'll be in peak condition in June. Uh, okay, John. I guess we'll see who you fight. Um, for those of you who don't know who the the top five in the UFC. Uh, Right now, for heavyweights, they are some bad boys. Like, they are some bad, bad men. Like, savages. Just, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Something that something I had over here to the side was uh, the list of the... Because I just wanted to see who was on this list. But it was a list of the most hated uh, UFC fighters. And in the top five, they have a... I think it's a, like a top 12 list. But in the top five... I guess some guy I've never heard of, but they and number four is Colby Covington. This guy is a trip. Now, I understand that uh, a lot of you people do live under a rock, but there are most of you who have not been living under a rock. And you know who Donald Trump is, right? Well, Colby Covington is literally like he has created this entire gimmick around himself. And he is like the world's biggest Trump supporter, and like he says all these like super duper aggro like like woo nationalism like not not like white nationalism but just like nationalism all America. Not saying that there's anything wrong with being proud of your country or anything like that, but it's like at nausea. Like and he's like, oh yeah the troops, oh yeah the firefighters, yeah the boys in blue. You've got to listen to this man talk. It's not genuine either. That's that's the, probably the worst part about it. If he was a good old boy and he just happened to be like, hey, you know, like, I'm to donate half my purse to, you know, or something like that. And there's a way to do it. And this guy, he is also like the biggest cockhole ever. I'm telling you, like he injects bang energy into his veins. Like, you look this picture that I have of him. You can't see it, but his eyes are like just like look bloodshot. I'm sure he. I'm sure he does not smoke marijuana, but he uh he got one of his homeboys, or he got these girls to pour shots through their boobs into his eyes of bang energy. It just and just pulsating in his eyes. He's also a badass fighter. He's just a piece of shit. Uh, there's Chell Sonnen. Some of you might know who he is. He is one of the biggest personalities. He's retired now, but. Uh, big personality in the UFC world. Uh, an interesting, uh, I, I don't know if you'd say analyst. Uh, he's a, a, a an MMA comment. Uh, what is it? I don't know how. To, I don't know what he what he what exact. He gives commentary on the UFC and MMA in general, but particularly UFC because he makes content and he's quite the personality. Whenever he was a fighter, he would sell a fight. I mean, he was only so good. I mean, he was a badass, but he was just big and strong, and he was a wrestler, I believe, uh, like a collegiate wrestler. And then he, you know, I guess he had some kind of striking. He kind of was going out as I was starting to get heavy into it. But uh, anyway, he would always talk so much shit. Another great in the sport is a guy named uh, Anderson Silva, and uh, he fought, I believe he fought Anderson Silva twice and lost both times. But he, I swear to God, like, you go back and watch the hype videos of him talking shit to Anderson Silva, 
man, like he just, oh my God. It was just so mean to this dude. Like he was so mean to Anderson Silva. And Anderson Silva was like the goat back in the day, pre-John Jones. Uh, Number two on the list is indeed John Jones. And to be fair, I can't say nothing. John is the reason I looked this up because I wanted to see if people – there's a really big disdain for John Jones in the MMA community because of the fact that it's like, look, it's one thing for you to be like – I'm not. I'm not at all into combat sports. As far as like, I. I don't. I'm not a fighting guy or whatever. I'm not saying that I wouldn't train. You know what I'm saying? But I, I don't. So, but I feel like part of that whole thing is like discipline. Like everything about all the one consistency you hear through all the different martial arts, if you will, is people talk about discipline. Like a great deal of discipline. John Jones. I mean, un, obviously he has some level of discipline, but it's like. Where is your self-control in any of these scenarios where you find yourself – like you have – and the fact that you don't have that discipline and that self-control, there is an entire mass amount of audience that is just perplexed by you, and they don't – it's like, yeah, you're the greatest of all time, right? Like aren't you? Or is it – you know, <laughs> especially when the stuff with the steroids, man. It's like his, his game definitely fell off after he started – or not – you know. After he got busted for steroids the first time, uh, his game has definitely fallen off. Still won his fights, mind you. But, I mean, it's like you you beat all those legends when you know the, before they were testing for all this other stuff. Is it possible that that really did affect your game? Like, I'm a I'm a I guess I would argue a lot of times that like some of these people, when you find out what they were doing or what they took or what they popped dirty for, it's like how much does that really fucking matter? Like if somebody has a trace element of something that was in their system from like a month ago, it's like I understand they used it to get you know beefed up or whatever. But like I feel like to an extent they should just be like fuck it, do whatever you got to do. But there, I guess the, there's way more to it than that. It's the same reason why uh, all them cyclists got in trouble. Um, but I do believe. Um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Number one though was is a guy named Josh Koscheck. Uh, personality. Uh, Josh Koscheck's personality was introduced to the world before his fighting skills, as his antics on the inaugural series of The Ultimate Fighter were more infamous than his abilities in the octagon. That's a hundred percent true. I've seen a lot of uh, I've seen a lot of that footage. It's funny. Like I feel like I have to pay for ESPN Plus or wh- whatever the UFC's app is, so I can w- go back and watch all those Ultimate Fighters. But Ultimate Fighter is a pretty cool show. A lot of drama. It's literally like a dude's reality show. Uh, it's kind of chody, but it's funny. Uh, yeah, well, anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Toxic Tunes and Trends. Uh, we're here every Thursday night at 9 p.m. You should t- tune in, tell a friend, and come and turn up with us once more next week. We're going to talk some shit. And also, don't forget to check out my podcast, Organic Poison, a new episode every Tuesday at 7 p.m. You guys... Also, since you're already on the website, go check out all the other shows that come on all throughout the week. You never know. You might could uh, find yourself becoming a devout fan of DeviantBehaviorRadio.com. <laughs> I think you should. Hope you guys have a great evening, and uh, don't forget to eat your uh, cereal or whatever it is that you eat in the mornings. I'm not sure 
how many of you guys have listened to the show before. If this is your first time, thank you for tuning in. If this is not your first time, uh, thank you for tuning in. Look, I'm just going to get right to it. New Batman movie is out. Look, toxic tunes and trends, am I right? Look, Robert Pattinson has apparently uh, done a pretty good job. Uh, like actually seeing people posting about it, I, I've seen a, a slightly mixed reviews. But if I'm being completely honest with you, I think that most people like it. It seems like most people are enjoying the new Batman. Uh, IMDb gave it an 8.5 out of 10, and Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 86. So, look, I'm pretty confident that the last movie that Batman was in did not get that kind of reaction. I mean, let's just see. We'll go to Batman versus Superman. I mean, you guys... You guys remember that movie. I remember seeing it in theaters. I didn't necessarily think it was going to suck. Oh, man. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes has given it ultimately a 29, and IMDb gave it a 6.5. Which 6.5 is not that bad for the criticism that they've received from that movie. And the stint of not-so-good films that came after it. Um, I don't know. <clears throat> Uh, I feel like Robert Pattinson probably is a good bat. I mean, have you guys seen it? I mean, there's no way for you to really tell me. But uh, actually, if you want to, you can join the Organic Poison Discord. We'll talk about that after the next break when I come back and talk again. That way I can find it for you. And I'm going to start promoting the Discord for times like these. Um, but yeah, supposedly uh, the star-studded cast in that film uh, has, you know, obviously Robert Pattinson. Uh, Zoe Kravitz, I believe she plays Catwoman. I haven't seen the movie, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, this Paul Dano guy is the Riddler. Colin Farrell is the Penguin. They say it's very difficult to tell that he's the Penguin. Uh, I, I need to, I need to go watch the movie, obviously. But you know, it, they they say that it's pretty difficult to see him due to cosmetics and stuff like that. But cool, even better. It's it's not like we don't know what Colin Farrell looks like. And I mean, listen, dude, Vin Diesel as Groot. Who are we kidding here, okay? I'm pretty sure Colin Farrell put on a better performance than Vin Diesel did as Groot, okay? They needed him there just to add a family element. That's the only reason they added him there. Uh, anyway, Jeffrey Wright. I don't know if you guys uh, ever saw... I don't know if you guys ever saw the entirety of the uh, Hunger Games movies, but he was in the, the second third and probably the fourth i know that he was in two of the films but uh he played as a character called uh they it was two of them nuts and bolts i think he was bolts i can't remember maybe he was nuts it doesn't matter jeffrey wright he also was uh man people's hernandez in the shaft movie with uh the middle one the one with samuel l jackson people's people's hernandez and he starts stabbing himself with an ice pick that traumatized me as a kid we watched that movie and it traumatized me I thought the movie was cool for some reason, and I remember Samuel L. Jackson, and he was in other stuff before that and other stuff after that, but I was really young when I saw that Shaft movie, and I remember People, People's Hernandez stabbing himself with an ice pick, but I never realized it was the same guy. He was also in Westworld. He is like one of the best characters in Westworld. I never saw the third season. Don't even know if he's in that one, but in the first two seasons, he was in that one, and he was a cool character. Kind of feel bad for him, nonetheless. Oh, uh, let's see. Barry Cohegan and Andy Serkis. I think this guy is usually a bad guy in everything else he's in. I could be wrong, though. I think he was a bad guy in Iron Man. Maybe it wasn't Iron Man. <clears throat> Nonetheless, 
great success. I'm assuming that they're going to continue to move forward with this Batman and this timeline or this story in which that they're residing in. But I don't know. Uh, I mean, if it if it continues to you know get what it's getting, the praise that it's getting, it says. Yeah, uh, well, that's a... Before adults complained, the Batman was way too childish. Kids, blah, 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 the Batman. What does Robert Pattinson bring to the character? There are so many articles on this just within the past, like, six hours. Like, there's probably... <laughs> this is a lie, but I was going to say, there's probably more articles on this than there is Russia and Ukraine right now. Crickets, 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 crickets. Okay, anyway. <laughs> how the how the Batman fails taxi driver in attempting a, a homage, a homage. Look, see, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Bill Murray reveals why his Batman film with Eddie Murphy was canceled. Oh, man. Probably, I can, I can take two guesses. If Eddie Murphy and Bill Murray were going to be in a... Yeah, I would have loved to have seen that, though. I think that most of us would be cool with seeing Bill Murray play Batman. At this point, I mean, they might as well. But if I had to assume, I'm going to take it that that was something that was happening back in the day. People's Hernandez stabbed himself with an ice pick like 17 times over and over again. Okay, so I was uh, randomly looking through stuff about the metaverse today, of course, because I've been just trying to you know, continue to pay attention to what's going on with that. And Vice had an article that uh, the headline, of course, got me. But it says eye tracking tech is another reason the metaverse will suck. That's what the that's what the headline read. So I clicked the article. Now this isn't like me being like, oh, Vice got me because this article was full of shit. I didn't even the whole article is so long I didn't read the whole thing. But I read into it a little bit and it just, of course, got my mind thinking. Usually that's how it goes. It gets my brain to spark. Unless it's something serious. This is is clearly just Vice speculating on something. Anyway, I'm gonna tell you get a little excerpt from it. Researchers are building new ways to track and analyze your every glance. A big tech and big tech platforms like Facebook are looking to make their own. Now listen. Just the way that that's written, all I can think to myself is like, you don't even have to put the second part. What's the point in just trying to be like, oh, Facebook is going to have access to it. Facebook, sure, boogeyman, fine. But researchers are building new ways to track and analyze your every glance. You said enough. You don't have to say anything else. You're going to be like, <coughs> now, mind you, we could get into the discussion of, you know, uh, well, you know, it's protected by this the same way that your privacy is protected via messages. If they wanted to see it, they could use it. If they wanted to, da, 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 all that other good stuff. We could have that long debate, but we don't have enough time on the show for that. And me talking to myself about it is one thing, but I'm kind of going to talk about it here just speculating. Just a little further going on here, it says, with as much, which is much hyped rebrand, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg made crystal clear that the company is going all in on its vision for virtual social spaces. It's not the first time a tech mogul has confidently declared this virtual reality renaissance where people will supposedly inhabit online avatars and spend real-world money on digital digital furniture. But this time around, advances in machine learning are promising to give tech companies access to entire categories of extremely intimate data, including biometrics like movements that can potentially reveal highly sensitive details about our preferences and mindset. I mean, what's new though? I mean, Facebook particularly, what's new? I mean, that's something that I mean, what's the the, the trope, if you will, is that uh, Facebook knows when you're taking a shit. It's like they, like they can tell because of this, this, and this, and it's like they're so in-depth that they know you, what you're doing when you go to a certain room of your house or a place that you work. I mean, 
if Facebook can do that, I I would think that Google can probably do that as well. Like, but the thing is, is it's always Facebook. Like, it's always the boogeyman Facebook. I mean, it could be that stuff like that is just so cutting edge that like everybody has their own version. But I'm thinking, like, to me by now, I would think that that kind of stuff is something that. Almost everybody, any of the top 50 players that have access to your phone and you give them access to this, this, and this, they can do that. I feel like they can figure that out. I mean if you take once – maybe it's the fact of <coughs> aggregating all of the people together. Look, I don't understand why it is that everybody has it so hard out for Facebook. The reason why I'm saying this is I'm down to have it hard out for Facebook, but Facebook is not the only people out there that's trying to invade your privacy. Am I right or am I wrong? I mean, I'm just saying if we're going to say that Facebook is, there's no way that they are the the top of the heap. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it really ultimately depends. If if you're worried about it and it goes beyond just you being like, oh, well, how important am I? Like if you can look past that part because that's the, the thing that I've even said it before, but people say it in general to be dismissive. It's like, oh, well, who the hell am I? Who cares if they look at my stuff? Well, it's not about just the fact that they can look at – I'm assuming. It's not just about the fact that they can look at your stuff. It's the fact that they can access everyone's stuff. And it's like, okay, well, if you don't break any laws, then maybe you won't get in trouble. Maybe it's not about the fact of breaking laws. Maybe it's not just about potentially going to jail. Like – there could be more to it to the fact of – like I was joking around with my boss today at work. I'm jumping a little bit, but we were, we were talking – a buddy of mine – or my coworker, Andy's a friend. Uh, he was going on about how he, – he was like he doesn't believe that the metaverse is going to be a thing and that it's going to fall off and all this VR stuff is just going to – metaverse broadly, not exclusively uh, Facebook, but just all that stuff. He's like they've been doing this stuff for – you know. They've been doing this stuff for years. Uh, MMORPGs offer the same thing, and you know all it is is just being a little bit more immersed. It's like some people want to play their games in 3D or in th- third person, and some people, you know, it's like it's only such a big deal. It's still not that realistic. But the thing is, I think, or what my boss's argument was, and this is what I think as well. I lean more in this direction, I guess. We don't have the exact same thoughts, but what he was going on to say is like it's more than just video games. It's like it goes beyond that. And he's like, and it doesn't today. It's the fact that and he was going on about when did the why did the or you know when do you think or do you think that the internet was revolutionary? And he said absolutely. And I was like, okay, well, when did it become revolutionary? And he said, you know, ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand three, all in that area. And he was basically like, okay, well, the internet had been around quite some time before then. It's like, why wasn't it revolutionary before? Revolutionary before there? And he's basically like, basically was saying, you know, oh, well, it wasn't as commercialized, and it wasn't, you know, there wasn't as much hype. People didn't have as much access, and it's like, and then he was like, that's exactly what's happening with the metaverse. And he was basically saying that th- this stuff has been around, but it's like break break on through to the other side. And like my argument – or not my argument, but my tidbit into the conversation, which we had been talking about it for quite a while. But I put in – I was basically saying – I was like, yeah, you need to focus a lot on that commercialized aspect. Commercial – commercial? Commercialized. Sorry, commercialized. Commercialized aspect of it. The, the the finances of people investing into it. There's never there's never been a more convincing time than what was happening two years ago or for the past, you know, well, 
up to about six months ago, I guess you could say. And probably still in some pl- – I don't think COVID's a thing still popping everywhere in these days. I'm sure it is in other countries. I digress. But think about being locked in your home. Think about how many people probably work from home now versus did before the pandemic. Obviously, people were doing it, but think about it now. Like just, oh, man, clock out. Even if you don't work at home, think about all the different things. It becomes more and more accessible. Same thing with cell phones. It's like this idea of what the metaverse could be and how it could grow into something. And listen, this is coming from – and I've talked about this on the podcast, and I've talked about this with you guys, and I've talked about this in my day-to-day life. I am not 100% sure. I'm not 100% convinced either way, good, bad, or anything in between. I have no clue. I mean I'm here for the ride per usual when it comes to stuff like this, but you know, hey, what do <laughs> – it is what it is. We're going to have to figure it out eventually, am I right? <laughs> I don't know. We're, uh, we're going to have to either le- decide as a whole to lean into it and just be like, be damned hell with it. And it's like if they're, ter- if they're taking all of our information and turning us all into code and they're putting us into – you know, they're cloning us, so maybe we don't care. Like maybe it really doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like it's scary because you, we fear what we don't know, but in the same breath, it's like – Okay, well, let's just pretend that we're all okay with your surveillance and this and this and this. Why are you data collecting? Why do you have to have data on every single person and every single demographic? Is it solely for power or is there something beyond that? Is there something deeper to it than them just wanting to surveil us and put us all into boxes, uh, metaphorically speaking, and just be able to control us in this way or another? Because if you have total control – then, like, what's the point? What purpose does it serve unless it's just turning entire bodies and swaths of society purposely just turning them against each other? Because eventually, how rich can you be? I mean, let's just say the 50th richest, most powerful people on the planet. What is their plan to do once they're capable of controlling all of us? In some which way, whether it be in pods or out in society and just in our own little sections of the planet. Well, I guess one could say they already do that, but <clears throat> I just cur- I'm curious to know if there's something more to it. Because if you could find, if it turns into one of those kind of things, you basically asking the same question as to, well, okay, now that we've made it this far, what happens next? Where is God? <laughs> like, where is the thing that brought us here and put us here? I feel like the question still isn't answered unless these motherfuckers know, and the aliens are the ones that want the data. You're listening to Toxic Tunes and Trends on Deviant Behavior Radio. I'm your host, Shane Smith. Let's listen to some more tunes. Turn the fuck up. Dude, I am not fit to go back to work tomorrow. Like, I have already shredded my back. And I mean that in the best way possible. This has been uh, already such a immaculate evening for me. Look, I know that some of you guys probably... Tune in and you're like, you know, yeah, music's cool, but uh, we really just want to hear what he's got to say tonight or vice versa. Maybe, like, oh, man, you know, I was hoping he was playing some rock music. Look, I, at least I want you to know when it comes to any of the playlists that I have, man, it's all, it really is for me almost therapeutic. Now, mind you, I understand the concept is like uh, you play the songs and you, know, you get people to get in on the action and stuff like that. And so – I decided I was going to meet in the middle. Starting in April, I am going to start putting out a list of each Thursday what I'm going to be, you know, kind of like encompassing. I mean, like let's just say for example, it's like uh early 2000s emo music. Like you could pretty much, but I'm going to make it fun. I need to find clever ways to put it. Or hell, it might be a 
this is not going to ever happen. I don't imagine. But a My Chemical Romance night. I mean, I did it with Lil Wayne, right? Like, I kind of probably should have waited. Did that one, like, at the end of the year. But we could do it again. I mean, Lil Wayne's got quite the catalog. Nonetheless, I would like to do more nights like that, but I want to have them planned out. So that way, not only is it easier for me and you guys to share it with people and tell them what to expect, we'll be able to know, all know what to expect. And it also kind of, like, leaves – gets it to where maybe somebody will want to – Request a song that's going to be from that era. It kind of narrows it down, and it gives people something to something to look at. So let's look at look forward to that in April. I'm going to start having fun with you guys on that. Uh, yeah, I digress. Uh, yeah, man, God damn those songs though. Like that first song. I'm not about to go on a deep dive of all these songs, but the first song was a rebuttal to the second song. To those of you who do not know, Kendrick Lamar rapped on this song with Big Sean. And uh, Jay Electronica, the, the full song was seven minutes. So if I'm going to be full transparency with you, I didn't want to use seven a seven-minute block for the full song. Everybody goes hard on the song. It's amazing. But let's be honest. It's been, what, ten years? I'm not even sure when this song came out. Uh, yeah, since the, this song came out, nonetheless. And uh, Kendrick Lamar, like, pay, pretty much, he goes hard as shit. Like, super hard. But beyond okay, it was nine years ago when this song came out, uh, twenty thirteen. Um, it was a big Sean song though, and basically Kendrick Lamar. He, I mean, for what it's worth, he didn't like tell everybody he was gonna piss on their moms or anything like that. But he pretty much called out all the popping people at the time. He was like pretty much like the OGs cool, but the 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 new N words or the you get what I'm saying. You heard the man. I just played the song. Well, that was Drake's initial rebuttal that came out two weeks after that song came out was a remix to a future song and juicy j is on that song as well uh but yeah i don't know it's pretty it's pretty tight though it's pretty tight to go back and then the song that was after that was meek mill and he was rapping over a remix of dr dre's i don't know nowadays everybody want to talk like they got something to say but nothing comes out when they move the lips a bunch of bunch of gibberish I think that's the one, yeah, one of my favorite lines in that whole song is when Dr. Dre says, uh, he says, uh, what do you think I do, did with all my guns? You think I, what do you think I sold them all? I don't know how exactly the bar goes, but it's just badass the way that he says it. He's like, what do you think happened to all my weapons? Do you think I just got, just sold all of them? I don't know. Obviously, it's the slap in the face, but probably way better bars in that song. Nonetheless, Meek Mill came back. He's like, oh, you say you're the king of New York? One of the things that I like the most about when Meek Mill does his ver- his little remix or whatever is when he goes, oh, you're going to go do 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 because Kendrick Lamar always does that in his music. do 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 I don't know. It's the- he, he has a certain way that he uses it as an ad lib, but uh, he's a unique character, Kendrick Lamar is. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I wanted to play those songs, and then ironically, the, the song uh, Fucking Problems came out before all this took transpired. And it's like I'm pretty sure that's the last time we had Kendrick and Drake on the same song. Like the out of all of those top artists, the only ones that we ever get together, like okay, say out of J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar, uh, Drake. I mean, let's just say Big Sean, because a lot of people say, and maybe not recency bias wise, we would probably not say Big Sean. But somebody might. I don't know. But back in the day, Big Sean was that dude. I mean, he had all kinds of songs. He had all kinds of features. He was popping. Uh, but if let's just say all four of them, like the only time any of them do songs together now is if it's maybe Drake and Big Sean, maybe. 
I mean, when was the last? I mean, I could be wrong though. When was the last time you even heard J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar did that one song together? That was like them rapping over each other's songs, and it was crazy. If you ever get to look up Black Friday, I think it's what it is, or Black Sunday or something. Uh, and that shit is wild. Both Kendrick Lamar, I keep forgetting about that. It's a sleeper. Um, it's another one of those things, though. It's like, I don't know, like seven, eight minutes long because it's the full length of each one of their instrumentals. And the, Kendrick raps over J. Cole's, and J. Cole raps over Kendrick's. But I'm just going to be honest. For what it was, Kendrick is that dude in that thing. Like Kendrick uh, in that little whatever that is crossover experience they have. He let he lets him go last. Or J Cole, you know, goes first, and then Kendrick goes last, and it's just like, holy shit, dude, chill out. <laughs> In a good way, though. I mean, it's it's a, um, it was a good experience. I remember when it came out, we were like listening to it over and over and over again. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Kendrick Lamar. In other news, I guess Kendrick Lamar is uh supposed to be nearing the rounding the corner to drop a new album. Uh, Let's be honest. Um, when it comes to modern day hip hop, Kendrick Lamar is still this mysteriously top three guy, like the Lord of the other side. If that makes sense, I don't know how to explain it. But if he, if there was a leader of, if there were three factions, and one's led by J Cole, one's led by Drake, the third one is definitely led by Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> like I don't know. Maybe I'm just. Maybe I'm just stuck in World War Three mode. But when I think about it like that, I mean, they, the way they lead their fan base, it's like there's people who their main guy that from that era is going to be Kendrick Lamar. He has a very, very unique body of work. Uh, he hasn't put out an album since he put out the album that Humble was on, DNA. It's called Damn. He hasn't put out, out an album since then, and that was quite a while ago. Like... Not only like pre-pandemic, but it had already been like a year or maybe even two years before the – let's see. We'll probably find out when it came out. Uh, Damn came out – yeah. Oh, my God. Damn came out in 2017. Before that, he put out Section 80 in 2011. He put out Good Kid, Mad City, which was the one that really took him. <laughs> uh, he got nominated for a Grammy for that album as well. I'm pretty sure and lost to Macklemore. That's horrible. Uh, to Pimp a Butterfly came out in uh, To Pimp a Butterfly, sorry, 2015, and then Damn came out in 2017. So that's incredibly consistent. And now it's it's pretty much been five years since he put out an album. That's incredible, and he's still Kendrick Lamar. Doesn't really do many features. He did come out during the Super Bowl, and it, that was the shit. I mean, I'm pretty much really enjoyed that. Uh, there's another artist that I pretty much I think it's Kendrick Lamar's cousin actually. His name's Baby Keem. Uh, he had, I believe, four songs. I know that he had a single that came out not too long ago. I've actually played it on here before, uh, and it was it was it had a music video and everything. And Kendrick was in there, and he was on some he was on some monk shit. I don't know. It was crazy. It was a cool video though. Um, cool song. I don't really care too much for Baby Keem. Not that there's anything wrong with him. It's just he just it does not appeal to me. I'm sure he would, just like anybody else. If I sit down and listen to an album of their music, I will probably be like, oh my goodness. I'm so glad that I participated in this experience. I am a fan, uh, but I just don't have the I don't have the peak interest. When I get done doing this, I got to do something else, and then I'm going to go to sleep. When I wake up, I got to go do something, and then I'll be doing something until the next time I have to do something. So, and I'm usually listening to uh, 
stuff that's related to the stuff that I have to do. So, nonetheless, I don't have the time to sit down and listen to an entire Baby Keen. There's a list of things that I probably am going to have to do before I sit down and listen to the entirety of the Baby Keem uh, album. But that song that he did with Kendrick Lamar was pretty tight, and I heard that his album was all right as well. Uh, I digress. Uh, I don't know. Probably about six months ago, we started hearing rumors that Kendrick Lamar's album was going to be heavily influenced by like rock music. Uh, I think that there's potential that he is taking all the time in the world because he is going to make whatever kind of album that he wants. And by saying that, I mean he is going to make an album that is like a – it's going to have a sound of all kinds of different shapes. And it might even be like one of those three-piece, you know, I have, you know, a story to tell, blah, blah, blah. It's going to have all this extra media and shit with it and just – that sounded so dumb. I sounded so shitty and insulting to say I have a story to tell. But I don't mean it in such a way to be insulting to Kendrick Lamar. I'm just saying that, I mean, a big-ass rollout. I mean, you guys listen to enough music. You pay enough attention. You're grown enough to know – your favorite you've seen your favorite artist your favorite and biggest artist always have a big rollout unless you have somebody who's just like occasionally puts out an album where they just do whatever the fuck they want i think kendrick lamar is probably do one of those the problem is is if he puts out 12 songs which never happens these days but you never know let's say he puts out 16 songs and they're just a cohesive piece of work that that he he just puts out people are going to be pissed I mean, like, we waited five years for you to put out music. You've got to really sell them. Kendrick Lamar has got to sell for the people. I know he's probably thinking to himself that he – I'm not saying this in a conceited way, but he might just be like on some elevated shit and he doesn't care. And he wants to put out whatever he wants to put out. That's fine. But I just would love for him to come with it. I don't want him to be like Frank Ocean. Like he appears every now and then. Because, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. I was a super big – uh, I say super big. I was a uh, moderately devout Frank Ocean fan after his first album. Liked any time I heard him on something random, blah, blah, and then he vanished. He disappeared forever. And then he comes back like he crawls out of Apple, metaphorically speaking, and he says, hey, I'm going to put out an album. That's when he put out that blonde album or whatever. And I just wasn't there for it. I just didn't – I did not care, and I don't know why. Like I'm pretty sure he had some songs on there that I liked, but like – I. Compared to how many times I listened to Orange or whatever it was, pretty sure it was called Orange. Like and Swim Good, oh my God, Frank Ocean, man, he uh, he steals our soul, does he not? Yeah, I just hope Kendrick Kendrick Lamar uh, connects. I hope whatever he does, I hope it connects and it hits hard. And you know what? I could be I could be tripping balls, man. He might come out and do four or five features, and then he'll drop his album. And then he'll, you know, make all the appearances in the world for a year, and then he might just go back out to the sunset. If he wants to do that too, that's fine. I mean, what am I to say? People might be cool with that as well. So, I mean, he is Kendrick Lamar. Maybe he's doing his last album because this is he feels like he owes this to people. Maybe he feels like he owes this to his fans, and that's the only reason he's doing it. I don't believe that's the case. I think he's still very passionate about music, but... Interestingly enough, I have to just go off of that as a hunch because you really don't have much. You probably, I'm sure you can find things, but you don't have very much easily accessible information into the life of uh, Kendrick Lamar. You don't really know how he's doing. Like, you've listened to Kendrick Lamar's music. All this shit that's happened in the past two or three years, do you have any idea? Okay. 
you might not care about what he thinks about anyway. But can you? I wonder what has gone through his mind in the past. I mean, this guy—he made to pimp a butterfly. This is practically like black revolutionary music, <laughs> you know. Like, I mean, in modern society here in our generation, Kendrick Lamar made that. I haven't heard a fucking word from him since all of the past two years. I don't know. It's just weird. You would think everything that has encompassed in the past two years. No idea how Kendrick feels about it. And if you do, you had to have heard it at one of those four songs on Baby Keem's album. Doesn't matter. He doesn't necessarily owe people more. But maybe if he gives people more than sixteen songs, then it'll be a, a nice little a nice little treat, I suppose. Anyway, we're going to go back into some more music. Thank you guys for listening to Toxic Tunes and Trends. I'm going to be back and talking in just a few minutes, and we're going to spice things up a bit. How's that sound? All right, I hope you guys are ready to fucking rage. It's Thursday night. That was like, oh, Toxic Tunes and Trends on DVBehaviorRadio.com. My name is Shane Smith, and I am your host. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Um, no, but I think that's the first song. It's got to be the first song they ever did together because I'm pretty sure that's like the first, well, probably the second song I ever heard by Future. I mean, that's the first actual Future song I think I ever heard was Tony Montana. Before that, I had definitely heard the song Racks on Racks on Racks, and I don't think that was a future song, but that was a future song. I mean, I don't even remember what the guy's name was that sang that song. I mean, the guy whose actual song it was. I'm assuming it was another guy from Atlanta, but everybody knew Racks on Racks on Racks, Racks. Ladies, on your tracks, got a song on seven long home. You remember that song? I think everyone remembers that song. If you don't remember that song, that's fine. It's probably for the best. But because uh, clearly Future has an, had an illustrious career since Tony Montana. I remember, dude, when that song came out, I hated his voice. I, I'm, it's possible that T.I. and Drake are the reason that I like Future, that I actually gave him a chance. Which I'm sure I would have eventually, eventually anyway. But because that song... uh while I magic, fish tailing out the parking lot, leaving magic. That song was the other single that came out off, I guess, around the same time. I don't want to say it was on the same project. Back then, he was mixtape future, streets for the streets, Mix the first mixtape future for the first go around. Then he reinvented himself and became a total savage. Uh, he is a different breed of rapper, though. I digress once more. Uh, you know, I wanted to talk about something. You know, obviously there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on in the world, but something that we can always come back to and find a good chuckle about and maybe put our differences aside for is a good old-fashioned conspiracy theory. And here on this show, I love to talk about conspiracy theories. So, I, you know, I was going to do a list, but I opted out of doing a list because my friend Alex always gives me a hard time for doing lists. But I think the lists are cool, so... Maybe this would be a good time for you guys to provide some positive feedback. Anyway, I like to talk about conspiracies, so uh, loose change. Okay, now I feel like most of us saw this or we've at least heard about it. Loose change, it was the, uh, let's see, I'm going to find that, the actual name of it. <laughs> but okay, I'm gonna read this little piece. It says Loose Change is a series of films released between 2005 and 2009 that the that theorize, based on evidence available about the 9-11 attacks, that 9-11 was a planned operation. The films were written and directed by Dylan Avery, produced by Corey Rowe, Jason Burmaz, Burmaz, and Matthew Brown. I don't know who any of these people are current day, by the way. I'm sure someone does. I just don't. 
It says, Loose Change asserts that the, that the accounts of the Pentagon attack, World Trade Center collapse, and United 93 phone calls and crash is implausible and is, and is instead – it instead – and instead suggests the 9-11 attacks were a false flag operation. The film's main claims have been debunked by journalists, independent researchers, and prominent members of the scientific and engineering community. And we know how dependable all of those people are, by the way. Uh, We've definitely learned. I'm not about to go through reading the entire thing, but I will tell you, I did watch it when I was in probably like 2006. I'm I'm pretty sure it was the first version. And I remember, I don't remember if we downloaded it or if we actually watched it on YouTube. Like, this would have been, like, beginning of YouTube, so I don't even know if this would have been on there. I don't know how I saw it, but I know I watched it. And we watched the whole thing sitting in front of the computer at my house. And then I remember for, like, two or three weeks after I watched it, I was trying to get everyone I knew to watch it. I was like, dude, this is insane. Now, mind you, I wasn't just, like, whole hog, like, because the thing, this is the way I thought back then. I was like, well... If nobody else thinks this is real, then there's this is just must be bullshit. It was one. It's like the reason why back in the day we were talking about uh, Alex Jones. It's like everybody used to watch Alex Jones and it was funny, but it's like now people are like fuck Alex Jones, and it's like okay, well yeah, I guess fuck him. But then it's like well, some of this stuff that he says comes true, not all of it, and he it he is ultimately full of shit. But this man, there's deep, there's more things to Alex Jones which. I'll, I'll tell you what, them taking him off of all the main sources of the internet makes it, it very easy for me to not pay any attention to Alex Jones. Unless he is on somebody else's shit, I don't ever think about him. Because I'm pretty sure the only way you can listen to or watch anything that has to do with Alex Jones, for the most part, obviously there's clips, places, but uh, you have to go to his website. I don't know, and they change it like every three months because I guess, I don't know if they actually get their .coms taken down. Or if it's like they just take them down and change them and be like, oh, the government shut us down, so we had to change our – because these – there's no way that like if the government – if the government really wanted to get rid of InfoWars or Alex Jones, I mean, sure, you people could say, you know, oh, they've gotten too big. If they take them down, they're going to know what's up. It's like – I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying – there's just something there to the fact that these guys have so much money. Alex Jones is a very wealthy man. His company runs like uh, probably out of some random warehouse, but still, like they have so many people that devoutly support his uh, podcast, uh, podcast, uh, website, TV channel, whatever it is. All of his shit. He sells stuff out of a store. Like he pretty much has a general store online that you can buy just about anything, and it's you know. Some brand, I guess, that they just linked up with that like buys and redistributes everything and probably throws like an Infowars sticker on it. Smack. Uh, he also sells like Ridge wallets and shit. I don't know. It's funny. You got to check it out. Well, you don't have to check it out, but it is pretty funny. I digress. Loose change, basically, in our heads was how we were looking at it back in the day. It was like nine eleven. I'm pretty sure that loose change is one of the like main proponents in why you hear people say, oh, 9-11 was an inside job. Anytime you hear somebody say something like that, loose change was a main proponent of that. Because let's put it this way. I mean, I was going to say 9-11 happened in 2001. But yeah, 9-11 happened in 2001. And within four years from then, a movie, a documentary that comes out on the internet just 
out in the open, just bust wide open. And like, it makes you wonder: is that why? Is stuff like that why they started to crack down on the internet? Like, it's because it begun probably a year or two after that is when they started. No, two thousand eight. <laughs> Shout out to Barack. Uh, but no, the, uh, I don't know. I don't necessarily. I would have to go back and watch it again. Like, I would be willing to go back and watch it again just to see what it was that. Like, I want to go back and watch the original version, but then again. I'm not going to want to watch it twice, so I might as well watch the latest updates because they're going to be like, oh, well, we did find out that this phone call was real and this phone call. (laughs) uh, I see see you guys did a little bit more research. I am curious to know a little bit more about who these guys were that participated in the production of that documentary. Uh, Like what kind of life did they live prior to becoming people who uh, made movies like this? Yeah, I don't know any of this other stuff that he's done. The Eric Andre show, he worked on that. Uh, Black and Blue, I don't know. I don't know any of the stuff that this guy's worked on except for that. But all this stuff came out after that. Loose Change was the first thing he ever did. And then, yeah, he didn't do anything until 2008, it looks like. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, But no, I've always wondered, like... Would we, you know, because it later on came out, it's like you hear stuff about like somebody, like Saudi Arabia were the ones that had something to do with 9-11. And it ultimately had like little to nothing to do with Afghanistan. But we went into Afghanistan and just raised hell anyway, for better or worse. I mean, I am under the impression that it was for worse at this point. Uh, I don't I don't know that I'm right because who knows? There could have been like 30 more things like 9-11. For all I know. But the older you get and the more like uh, semi-obsessed I become with like, you know, just keeping up with modern politics, obviously to a fault at times. But like I, I start to look at stuff like that. And I'm like, well, shit, I don't know. No, no other citizen is walking around all day like, you know, oh, da, 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 da. I wonder what. You know, wonder how fucked up it really was that we went into Afghanistan. I wonder if the Saudi the Saudis actually sent somebody over to fuck us up instead of the you know Afghanistan peoples, the terrorists, <laughs> whatever it was. I just know that it's they blamed it on them, and like I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. They also say that Osama bin Laden like worked for the CIA, so probably what happened was. It was Saudi Arabia that did it. <laughs> this is me. I'm talking shit right now. Saudi Arabia did it, but they got uh, Osama bin Laden to confess to being like, oh, or he did a tape and probably claimed it, but that he was planted into the. I'm kidding. I don't know that this is true, but you could also find out uh, Osama bin Laden's. Uh, I mean, it's public information, easy to see. It's probably been in several documentaries, but he is a. Uh, he was came from wealth. He was a a, a a a proud activist that came from wealth, which is pretty funny. <laughs> it's at least ironic. I mean, you you went to it. I don't really know if we knew if I knew more about him. Like if he was actually like for a cause, and he just went awry. Like and all this just seemed worth it. Then it's kind of like that sucks and it's kind of sad. It's like wasted talent for whatever it was that you were trying to do, whether it be save your country, save your people, you know, blah, blah, blah. Clearly, whatever you became was not something that uh, you intended, I would assume. 
I don't think that he left off of his parents' stoop and avoided a, you know, a life of prosperity and some kind of like better life to go live in the fucking caves and be shot at for the rest of his life. I don't think he intended for that to be the case when he, you know, hopped off the porch. But that's what in turn eventually happened. And you know, for all we know, I'm not. I don't seriously mean this, but I kind of mean this. Osama bin Laden could be on the island with Tupac. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, for all we know, he could be on the island with Tupac. We would never know. I mean, because in his head, it's like, your job is done. You know, like, you, you've done what you've had to do. And he's like, this was the agreement. It's like, hey, you go do that, ride out this 20-year mission for us. We'll make this happen. Or even, uh, you know, a, a thing that was made later on. A concession that was made later on. We'll make a deal with you. You vanish. You go. You never come back. And we're going to tell the world we killed you. But you're going to be free of all your crimes. Like, you're not, we're not going to, you know, you can live free out here in your, you know, on this island or something. Or take the elevator to the center of the planet. They let them live there. Like we talked about before on the show previously. And I did have come up with a, a, a nice name. I thought about how cheesy it would say if I was to say, it's Conspiracy Alley on Toxic Tunes and Trends. You know what I'm saying? Conspiracy Alley. It just sounds weird. Uh, it's the Conspiracy Cornhole Match. Oh, no. No, couldn't do that either. Cornhole is uh, definitely a little too corny. <laughs> um, I don't know, though. I don't know. Nine eleven is uh is a mystery to a lot of us. But another thing that kind of sucks though is like you've got like I tend to talk very freely and don't take into consideration the family members of any of the things that I talk about. Uh, it's, it's kind of insensitive, but in the same breath, there would really be no point in doing this show if I took their feelings into consideration every time I spoke about something. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, blessings be upon them. But <laughs> you know, like it's like whenever you get out in the open and you start talking about these things, like some people probably don't want to believe this crazy shit. Like this, some of that shit sounds so. You know, how it's like people say, "What would happen to like mainstream religions if aliens came to the planet? Their heads would explode. Like they they would be like, oh, no fucking way." That people, you know, how many the suicides would come if people if aliens came from the sky, if aliens came from the center of the planet or the sky. And they said, we are superior beyond all things. The God that you know is something that was installed upon, blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, this is all a giant piece of the puzzle that you guys have no idea what you're a part of. If they came down and said that, people would – their heads would physically just explode, poof, spontaneously combust. I mean, fuck it. I know mine would. I would definitely tweak out. I don't. I don't even know how I could possibly deal with that. But I'm also not incredibly religious, so imagine how much worse it would be for those people. It was supposed to be God. It was supposed to be. I don't know. Thank you guys for tuning in to Toxic Tunes and Trends on DeviantBehaviorRadio.com. Don't forget to check out Organic Poison. New episodes every Tuesday at 7 p.m. I appreciate you guys for listening. Come back next Thursday and bring a friend or two. We love you guys. All right. Yeah, my dope in the bush. My dope in the bush. I know how to cook it. My bitch good looking. My bitch good looking.
My bitch good looking. I'm a dope in the bushes. I know how to cook. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did the digital dash. I put the bitch on the pouch. I got that junkie a blast. I said that dope to your mama. Out on the street like the mama. You rats will never be honorable. They know I'm a kid of my word. I hustle the first to the first. These bitches be nagging the kid. They getting on my motherfucking nerves. I shot over racks and they love me. I'm smoking that pack and I'm muddy. Tell the bearing on these hoes. Give a zan to these hoes. Got a plan with their nose. I sleep on the beach off the avenue. I came to your city with revenue. I put in work, it was evident. I slide on your ass in the seven deuce. Come back in the bitch in the sixth trade. Chevy Mercedes, I keep them coming. Fuck all these bitches, I keep them coming. I pull up right now in parallel. I hit your block with them swangles. My niggas ain't never some bangles. So I sit in the trap with the gangsters. You can come around here cause it's dangerous. I be hanging around here, I'm famous. Gotta keep the trigger by my finger. Hit a sideways when I bang the fuck. In the driveway on a perk. I was sideways on a perk. Had a stick on me, that's first. Got your bitch.